Hello, and welcome to another live episode of the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. This week, we are talking about the phantasmagorical Trog from 1970, starring Joan Crawford, Michael Guff, and uh, Bernard Kay. It's, a, it's an incredible story about the discovery of a, of a troglodyte in a cave in England and the hilarious hijinks that ensue. And uh, I'm Matthew Arkin. That's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we're going to talk about it. And I cannot wait to a, do a deep dive into the dark cave of this movie. Let's do it. Talking about cocktails that are stylish, movies great or phony, and how Tony should win a Matthew, then Matthew should win a Tony. But in the meantime, talking about film in the meantime, the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. That's how I that's how I felt this morning when I woke up. That's what you sounded like that's every morning when I was waking up in the house yeah. with you. Um, how are you? Trying to get, I'm good. I'm trying to get comfortable. I don't know what's happening to my yeah, chair. Dude. I have a. I don't have one of those cool racing gamer chairs, so I'm I'm never comfortable. Okay. <laughs> you never. <laughs> no oh, big deal. That's sad. How you doing? I'm doing okay. You know, busy, um, running around, selling booze, watching movies. Right. Nice. Uh, as you do. As I do. You know, that's what it, you know, what it says on my, my, uh, Instagram, join me for a cocktail and a movie. That's like my whole life right there. That's a pretty Co- good, uh, it's a pretty good spread. I mean, you know, you yeah. don't need a heck of a lot more than that. I, I wish though that I was just, you know, drinking cocktails and watching movies instead of having to make cocktails and booze and teach about movies. Uh, that, that would be much more relaxing if I just had to drink and watch movies. But uh, sadly, that's not how my life has turned out. Well, there Maybe are young we'll people that. out there who could use your guidance, who need your insight. No, they, they you should let that, that inspire you. Oh, really? Okay. No, I need to die. No, don't. <laughs> it's those poor kids. Those poor kids who rely on me for guidance. Look, look, look how well what, my guidance has worked for me. Well, look where you're leading them if they're following <laughs> you to the bowels of the film industry to the very <laughs> there you bottom go. of yeah. the barrel of the film industry. <laughs> um, so uh, how has your week been? You know, the same as yours running around like a crazy person, yeah. hair on fire, <laughs> screaming down the hallway, you know, <laughs> did you eat anything really interesting this week? Um, no, well, I, I did. I know I cook, I cook a lot at home. We don't eat out a lot. Um, which is good because I like to cook. So okay. I did make something uh new last night, which I was proud of. What did you make? Well, you know, sometimes you whip you, you see what's there, you put something together that because you, you don't want to go to the store. So right. <clears throat> we always have pasta in the house, you know. So that was always a thing we could do. And right. I had roasted vegetables, uh beets and and um parsnips. <laughs> and there you go (laughs) end of segment (laughs) and join us next week and join us next week for frog (laughs) um yeah so um uh 
I, I, it was roasted beets and, and, uh, and parsnips chopped those up, did that with some pasta. So there was some actually like with some uh, broth. So the, the, the beet color flavor, like colored the pasta. It was great. Uh-huh. Very nice. Roasted vegetables with penne, uh, was the best thing that happened to me, uh, food wise. Wow. That sounds great. It's okay. All right. I would have I th- charged you maybe $14 for it. I would have paid 18 in New yeah. York. Insane nonsense. <laughs> no, that would have been the going rate uh, for this dish in New York, but I would have given it to you for $14, $15. Cause you're my brother and you love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, how about you? Culinary exploits, uh, uh, culinary exploits. Uh, not, a, not a lot. We didn't, I was down with Bruce, uh, for, for a couple of nights. Cause we, well, had you a, had some events, some, some liquor. We had events. some events. We were at the San Diego Bay food and wine festival pouring, pouring batch 22 for people. And, um, how many people uh, you did you pour for? We poured for about 500 people on Friday night and about 700 people on Saturday day. Wow. That's like 400 uh, people. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, um, what was kind of amazing was um, there was uh, we've started keeping track of people's reactions when they first taste uh, batch 22 and writing because we have to argue with people to get them to taste it because it doesn't really fall into a category. So they're like, what is it? But is it like this? No. Is it like that? Is it a tequila? No. Is it a scotch? No. Well, then what is it (laughs) like? Just. If I, I get people just like smell it because then they go, oh, oh, and then they taste it. And the best three reactions we got this weekend were one person said, you know, very uh, praiseworthy, said, shit, this stuff is magical. Isn't that wonderful? It is. It's wonderful. Then the next person said, shit, where's my girlfriend? Which was a great. Are those was that related in any way? Yeah, he was like because he had to tell her about it. He had to go tell her. Okay, and then the best one was somebody went, "Oh, what just happened?" (laughs) What just happened is great. That might be the byline for the whole business. The whole business. What just happened? Because they were so surprised at what it it tastes so unexpected, and and then um. But so that was fun. Uh, then we went out for one of the best sushi meals I've ever had after that. But tonight I'm looking forward to, we're going to a place called Eddie V's Steakhouse. And mm-hmm. I say the names of these places. I want to make it clear. We're, we're not, we don't have sponsors. I'm not, I'm not plugging anything. What? What, what exactly? <laughs> what? We don't get any money. We don't get any money for doing anything on this show. It's, it's a labor of, of a labor of like, um, and uh, but uh, we're going to Eddie V's Steakhouse, where a few months ago I had one of the best steaks I ever had in my life. So I'm looking forward to that tonight. Wow, that's that's, that's nice. big words, almost fighting words. Well, you we're meeting we're, we're meeting our lawyer. Uh, we're meeting one of our lawyers there for a, a confab to and, determine uh, whether it's the best steakhouse, maybe the one of the best you've ever been to. No, just to to plan the next steps in our in oh. our quest for world domination. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. When so, you start having dinner, steak dinners with your lawyer. Yeah. Shit's real. That's the that, things Stuff's are that real. real. Yeah. Yeah. You're in a new territory now. We are in new territory. That wasn't like a thing you did normally before this. I didn't used to do that. I did not used to do that. Strategize what morning. restaurant. Yeah. You know? I wake up every morning and I say, who am I? I have no idea who I am anymore. So. 
just like that movie wall street is that what happens in wall street i didn't see it. it's one of the best lines in movie history it's the funniest thing i've ever seen what is it what charlie sheen it's after a montage of charlie sheen you know having a night on the town after he finally makes his first millions or whatever right and uh he's gone to every disco and done all the drugs and he's you know and leaves a leaves his bedroom where a model is sleeping and he's like in his bathrobe and he walks out and looks over the skyline of new york and he looks sad and he says who am i wow and it it's uh i thought it was a howler then and i still do okay well that is not my life um i uh things are going well with the business but i'm not going to nightclubs and there certainly is not a model in my bed so um you're both crazy that is crazy <laughs> i wasn't trying to say that i thought that's where you should be or what should be <laughs> happening i just was i was evoking the movie we need the public on our side that's true <laughs> yeah we do we better clean times. up our act on this show if we want to have the public on our side that's i know true. a way to get the public on our side not do a show not do a show no but there's a better way to get the public on our side you know what people this love whole abomination is hurting business yeah the business is hurting the business <laughs> yeah <laughs> our show is destroying our show yes we'd yes. have better viewership if yes. we didn't have a show as designed would. on purpose it is literally would be better we'd have a lot more followers yeah <laughs> Should we, we do now? I, I know a way to make people love this show right now. People love. Yeah, that's it. People love people who love their moms. Well, there, there she is. There she is. Hello, Hello. 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 Mom's Corner. <laughs> Hi, so... Mom. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Anthony. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I, I've, I've heard you, you you listen to the show. I listen or watch it. I, I like to watch because I see my boys in, you know, as a, as a site, which is a great site. And and um, so I often, but I watch it pretty much every week. I do. Or listen yeah, it's it's great. And we got it. We got to clean this show up a little bit. Yeah. No, don't do that. No. We got <laughs> to spruce it up. Um, well, thank you. That's very nice of you to say that you've watched that. You, I'm, you, I, you do tell me that you watch the show and you I listen do. to the show. I do tell you that, and it's true. I uh, I had I've just had a thought sitting here and listening to you, is wondering if if we could have that pasta and roasted vegetables as a side dish on thanksgiving could yes you, could you make it for sure us? that's a total that's easy yeah okay. sorry you I'm, won't be here matthew but... i'm only gonna yeah, you know no, I, you that, guys... i'll for you i'll do it for like 13 dollars. okay that's yeah. fine you guys go have fun go have fun without well, me. we'll miss you matthew oh, we'll miss God. you of course we will I'll but miss you with your lawyer eating steak. So yeah, you did. Yeah. You are going to that event, and I you've also to been that. to the events with with you know all the events with our wonderful producers and uh, West Coast branch that I never I never get to do. So that's true. And and I'm gonna have a horrible food Thanksgiving because I'll be down at Bruce's 
uh, yeah, you don't, you're not going to have any people know went to the French culinary Institute and it's going to be just an extravaganza. So I have a question for you though, mom, you said you want this, you want a pasta dish as a side dish or so it's like a, like a a classic Italian style where you have a little pasta before your main is that what you're thinking that would be great you i'd like to know your thoughts on that i think that would make sense yeah i do too i do too you know it's very filling so i don't know we wouldn't clashing with the potatoes is perhaps dangerous but workable well you you think it over if it doesn't seem quite perfect to you we'll have it at another meal Uh, uh, okay, well, here's Carrie, the... lovely. Thank you. Hi, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Trog, Mom? No, oh no. You've I never have. seen it. Are Is you that... a John Crawford fan? Uh I like her. I like her, yes. I'm more fascinated with Betty, but mm-hmm. That's the way it goes. Well, and for our viewers, this is why we brought mom on the show today specifically because when she was watching last week's show, uh, which was Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, it turns out that mom has some fantastic stories about Betty Davis that she wanted to share with us. Well, I ha- this is a kind of a correction, right? I mean, I had stated uh, incorrectly that grandma, uh, your mom, had uh, been friends with Betty Davis in college. I think I said that on the show. Or at the American Academy. Or at the, well, at the, yeah, at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And uh, that was that was not completely correct. But they were friends. And I was sitting here, and it was not a live show. It, for me, it was a, I was watching a, a streaming of it. And I couldn't fill in the little chat boxes to tell you, to correct you. Okay. Very frustrating. Well, this, you know, this did get you onto the show, though, this ploy. So I think. uh... I'm very thankful for it, really. Well, here's what I do know. Um, uh, You did not get wrong. They were friends. Okay. My mom, your grandma, and Betty Davis were friends in Massachusetts. They grew up in um, neighboring towns, very close to each other, Lowell and Newton. And I'm not sure, I, th- I thought maybe they were, it was the same, that both Newton, but apparently it was Lowell and Newton, but they played together a lot. Who, as was, in, who was in Lowell and who was in Newton? Uh, Betty was in Lowell okay. and Grandma was in Newton. Okay. And also- that's, Lowell is where Jack Kerouac comes from. as well which may have been similar timing interesting um yeah betty was born in uh well i could be correct no i i'm pretty much 1908 two years older than grandma okay and grandma was best friends with her her sister her younger sister who i think was named barbara but our producers could check that for me um but they were best friends, and then the three mm. of these girls played together a lot. Amazing. And um, it always interested me, and, and Grandma had very fond memories of that. She loved Betty, and it was like a connection between them, the two of them, really. Well, Matthew brought that up on the show, and I'd always felt that, too. They were, there was something very similar about them and, and yes. in, in, the, in Betty's most flattering moments. Like, yes, I agree. Know, honestly. Not in the... In, not in the uh, 
whatever happened to be. Well, no, that no. was that wasn't yeah. here. No, but, that was that was know, not like what reminded me of the man who came to dinner or you know movies like that. Yeah, yeah definitely similar. Very similar. Um. So, the, the, and the, what's that, interesting is you had said like there's something that that wouldn't have happened if they'd gone to college together. The fact that they kind of grew up together. Yeah. Like you could see their influ her influence as an older friend on her. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And um that so that was that was fascinating and I heard about that a lot growing up. Um the other thing I wanted to mention, which is a sidebar to this, is that you meant I think you said, Tony, that they may have uh, met at the American Academy because they were both actors at that point. Right. And they um grandma did go to the American Academy is where she met grandpa right before that she went out with who she called hank fonda so they dated for my memory is like six months or so wow. that's insane oh my god grandpa. so she you know i i'm happy for that i know or i wouldn't be here but um yeah no we, I, we'd yeah. still we'd still have you on the show <laughs> even, even it wouldn't we, exist matthew i um, oh, that's yeah. right. Okay, got it. Good boy. Good boy. <laughs> that is incredible. Hank. Yeah. Hank. Hank Fonda. I never you know, Hank. You know, uh, Mr. Stewart, our drama teacher in yes. high school, right? Did you, you knew, you knew Mr. Oh, Stewart, yeah. right? Tony? At, at, oh, Phil Stewart, for Phil sure. Stewart. Yeah, of at, course. At, at, at Greeley. Of course. Um, he went to Northwestern, I believe, with Hank Fonda. Oh, really? Um, I, I think he he called him Hank Fonda. And Jimmy Stewart went to Princeton with Grandpa. Who, who right? Jimmy Stewart? I believe so. Or, I, or like a year before. Or, or they were he was a year older or something. Yeah. So what is going on? There's so many weird connections. There are many weird connections in life. And and you're right, Mom. It was Barbara Davis. That was her sister's name. Barbara Davis. That's what I thought. So, Sophia and is letting us know. Grandma once told me this is a memory deep inside my brain. That that's where she got the idea for my name. Wow. How about that? Well, that would make sense. Her best friend growing up. Yeah. You know, um, that name would resonate with her. She wouldn't not think of it if she named you that. That's for right. sure. Right. It would certainly come into her mind. Amazing. Matthew, I can't hear you. Are you speaking? I'm, I'm not. I'm not. He's he's just aghast. I'm just. Uh, no. He's a gape and aghast. I'm a, I'm a gog. I'm a gog. He's trogged out. I'm trogged. Totally. Hey, somebody having fun. So, any did you ever run into uh, Joan Crawford? No, actually. No run-ins with her. No run-ins. No. Uh, what? No, I. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would have been nice. I just didn't, you know. Right. Well, I don't know if it would have been nice. Maybe it would have been nice. I think it, you know it could have depended on the day, the way it would have depended on the day hanging out with Betty. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Depends on the day. It depends on the day. Yep. That's my guess. <laughs> anyway, um, well, thank you so much for correcting us and for coming on the show. And, and thank you for inviting me uh, and bringing this information because now I feel I feel almost like we just did 23 and me, you know, like we learned some important things about our, our about the family, family tree, even though it's not really our tree. 
it's not really our tree, but it is it's an adjacent it is. shrubbery. <laughs> and I, I do want to reiterate too that it it was not anything about uh whatever happened to baby Jane that reminded me of, oh, uh, of the similarity between Betty Davis and grandma. No, I didn't think that. Betty Davis and, and dad, maybe uh from, from oh, yeah. baby Jane, <laughs> but not not grandma. No. No, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think for grandma, we'd look to more like uh, uh all about Eve, all that's about the Eve. Betty Davis yeah. that I yeah. think reminds yeah. me of grandma. Similar, similar. Yeah. Well, well, thank, thank you. you so much, guys. This has been a treat. Uh, we'll have you back again, uh, not okay. even, not even just if we've made a mistake, but, oh, but okay. for other. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, who is that? Is he in the movie? That's, That's Trog. Okay. That's the yeah. title character of the film you that we're about to discuss. Stick around in the green room uh, and uh, you'll learn more than you want to know. I don't. About, about Trog. <laughs> Thanks a lot. All, All right. Love, Thank you, Mom. Love you, Mom. Never uh, show fear. <laughs> Never show fear. Never show fear. Well, that I'm, was great. How I'm, nice actually having, I'm actually having fear right now. Are you having fear? I'm having a lot of fear. In that Ooh. case, I'd advise you to cooperate. <laughs> what? Somebody's on fire back there today. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, some good stuff We've going hit on. our stride. Um, yeah, so I'm having a lot of fear, uh, which I will... what? I'll okay. tell you the source of my fear after we talk about the movie. I don't want to talk about it before talking about the movie. Okay, because I want I want our conversation to be unadulterated and unfiltered. <laughs> okay, okay. I feel like there's something that I've done. And I'm in trouble. No, you're not in trouble for anything. You are okay. not in trouble. This isn't like you're, after the show, a shoe's going to drop. No, no. You're just but you, just you, be you, nice for an hour. No, all my shoes have dropped already. Okay. Um. So Trog, 1970. Mm -hmm. Joan Crawford. Um, this uh, movie is somewhat a precursor uh, in my mind to um, uh, books on tape. It, it's kind of like uh, Joan Crawford doing a film on tape where she decided to sit down and, um, and uh, read the script rather than enact it <laughs> rather than enact it. <laughs> She showed up thinking that she was, she didn't know she was making a movie. She thought she was showing up to to read a teleplay uh, or a, a radio play, perhaps. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a radio show performance. Yeah. <laughs> because she is very clearly, well, let's tell people what it's about. Okay. It is Joan Crawford. The, the, the ape and the baboon were beginning to leave the forest and the jungle. <laughs> three, three English gadabouts. Scientific gadabouts are exploring well, yeah, a cave. Spelunkers. Spelunkers. Weekend, yeah. weekend spelunkers. Weekend in, spelunkers. In, like some of the best spelunking clothes you've, you'll see. Like <laughs> you'll tweed see. jacket and a yeah. pair of loafers. No, these guys are pros. Um, and uh, uh, they go into a cave and go swimming. <laughs> As of, you always do you when do. you go deep into a cave. Yeah. And you strip down the... to your boxer shorts. These guys are in their underpants. <laughs> in their underpants, which are 
They go swimming and their underpants are alternately wet and dry and then wet again after they go swimming in them. Um, and yeah, uh, to keep they it run demure. Into, they run into a troglodyte that is somehow um, <laughs> and who has somehow survived for millions of years in this cave. Great. Which... Which is a, a, a you know an issue that they never bother explaining how he lives. No, or, why? Well, why? It's a very healthy diet: grubs and worms and stuff. A lot of lot of uh, beta carotene. But they never really come down on one side. Like, was he frozen for a million years, or has is he a million years old, or is like is there a family of them? They never really describe the process by which he went from millions of years ago to today. No. Oh, and by by the way, we mentioned the Unterpanse. Um, and in case our listeners don't know, that's a reference to another show that Which we is love. English Toast for Columbia. underpants. Yeah. And it what is do you think you'll do? There's some underpantsins going on here yeah. in this movie. Uh, that according to IMDb, John Hamill, who plays the second Spelunker to strip to his undershorts during the opening cave sequence, was used... He was used to this kind of exposure. In the late 1960s, he ranked as one of England's top physique models you wouldn't know it by me looking at him in this movie they all looked like somewhat um uh shapeless pale this was, this was 1970 uk though i mean you know that you know, david prouse was busy he was he, he had other things to do this time oh, okay. he was working with stanley kubrick oh all right um anyway they discovered. They had, I think they were very attractive. Okay. I, this is where we are. I am just going to differ here with you a little bit and say that I think I'm even more interested than you in everything you can find. And well muscled and attractive. I was. I would say. Okay. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm bowing out of this conversation. Um. Uh. Wow. So they run into this uh, troglodyte who kills one of them. In a, in a fearful rage at invaders to his domain. Uh, two of them survive. The police Well, he get... wounds, terribly wounds one or the other. The other. And one of them is fine, except yeah. psychologically. Except psychologically. And then um, Joan Crawford is one of the leading anthropologists in the world and has an institute uh, in England um, and decides that we must study this missing link. And they go on an expedition and bring him out, and uh, hilarious hijinks ensue. Uh, well, they... not intentionally hilarious. I think you're misrepresenting the movie a little bit. <laughs> and no, no, I don't think they've intended this to be hilarious. I think the intention was to make a horrific, gripping... Uh, you know, caveman driller. Yes. But if, if we characterize it as intentional, hilarious hijinks, then we'll be talking about people who succeeded in their goal. Oh, well, I think, you know, yes, but I, I think, more, you know, yeah. the, 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 the war here is a very multifaceted and there are amazing skirmishes where you see people, you know, you see a lot of people, die on hills here like really just go i'm gonna stand i'm gonna do this <laughs> melodrama until i can't until i explode no, not then, more notably than michael goff 
Well, Michael Guff, who I didn't know wasn't named Michael Gouge, but I'll take your word for it, didn't. (laughs) That's how I go to sleep every night. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. There's so many places to start here. This movie is uh, kind of like, you know, getting shot in the face by, by a bunch of clowns. Yeah, and you don't really know which clown I know where I to want to follow. start. Okay, where do we? Where do you want to start? I want to start with okay. Well, learning um, how to walk upright. Okay. <laughs> According to IMDb trivia, the ape suit was left over from Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey. However, I want to say this: this is a movie in which we have a troglodyte being played by a somewhat flabby and unbelievably pale specimen of just plain old like english maybe maybe well, he looks like, like a rugby player yeah he not, looks like your standard rugby player but not in incredibly good shape pale hear, you know i just see you are very hard on these men yeah. I, pale, pale and hair, a pale and hairless rugby player yes playing a hairy you know pale the entire man is there clearly just a, a guy okay. pale and hairless yeah with an incredibly huge hairy head popped on top of his body so it's like two completely different creatures and to make yeah. up for it, they they took a little bit of fur and maybe glued it onto the back of his hands in a couple of places well look you you're you are you got to slow down okay please you you're, you you got to slow down my mind because you're blowing past so much amazing stuff. The hair on the back of his hands isn't just like something to notice. <laughs> the hair on the back of his hands is worse than Team America when they try to make that guy go through six hours of plastic surgery to look like a terrorist. It is that level of makeup job in yeah. a real movie. In a real movie. Where they have a guy, like you said, just a hairless English beefy man <laughs> with a mask on, and they have glued Brillo pads to the backs of his hand to his to the backs of his hands. Yeah. Little tufts of Brillo pad hair. Yeah. No, no, nothing else. It, it is that's all it is. And it's and, not um, even clear that it's supposed that it's hair. It, it could be. I mean, I've seen stuff like that in, in like used for the uh, filtration systems in aquarium kids <laughs> aquariums. Sure, sure. Right? That's totally what it could have been. Uh, and it, but it's, it's just like glued on matted like Brillo tufts on the backs of his hands, yeah. and that's as far as they went. They 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 stole a mask from two thousand and uh, from two thousand and one, and it it is one of those masks, or maybe one of the ones they didn't use in the movie, like a prototype, because it's not really that good as the ones in two thousand and one, or it had been really abused by this point. It was it was in rough shape. Yeah, and um. That was it. That's their. That was the. That was as far as the makeup department decided to go in a in a monster movie. Which is, there are there are low points here, for monster design, and Trog saw that low point and went screw it. We're we're not even going to try to compete. Okay, I am not afraid anymore. And now so we can, the monster we can speaks. 
did you think that I was that I was gonna tell you that this was actually a piece of like greatness? Here's here's the conversation that I had with mom yesterday. I said <laughs> if if Tony goes to bat for this movie and and starts trying to explain to me how I didn't understand you missed or something. appreciate or appreciate what these people were really trying to do. Then you were gonna just and quit. You're not even gonna talk over. to me. It is all over, and uh, not just the show. Yeah. Our relationship and maybe the universe would come. Through. Producers have decided to bring mom back on to se- to, to separate us. <laughs> That's very funny. Um, I did say that yesterday, didn't I? Yes, you did. Well, I, I, I thank you. Um, is this like okay? So is this when you start getting nervous, mom, watching the show? Do you start feeling nervous at this at this juncture when we get into this part of the conversation? Yeah, it can be a little nerve wracking. <laughs> Particular if if it's one of your favorite, and most respect you know you respect it more than other films. Yeah. And Matthew just oh. doesn't it doesn't do it for him. And and it's like it gets a little touchy. I, I must say I, I will I okay. Well I promise I will calm down and I won't <laughs> get upset. And you have nothing to worry about. I I apologize. There's no need to uh you know no need to worry. I'm getting the feeling that this would have been maybe the worst if you if you had loved it and and Matthew. Well, let me. Okay, I need to just say one thing. <laughs> oh, here we no, go. No, but I, I can't. I, you know, the movie's one thing, but the experience of Trog and the 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 joy that a person could have witnessing one of the worst movies ever ever made. <laughs> oh, no, is, is another story. Okay. I will watch this again. Okay. I okay thank you mom thank you for coming in uh you know if we start getting rough come in and break it up but we weren't really gonna argue we're on not this gonna one. fight over this one uh totally yeah one of the best pieces of trivia i've ever read in my life apparently joan crawford allegedly drank pepsi bottles full of vodka to be able to say the film's dialogue with a straight face well uh, that sounds like a justification to me. Never but... show fear. <laughs> Never show fear. That sounds like a, I think she would have probably been doing that for a variety of reasons, for any reason. <laughs> if you're drinking that much vodka during the day, you're going to, it's going to be for whatever reason that you say it is. It will be yeah. like, fine, yeah. sure. Did, thought it was funny? Fine. Yeah. Couldn't remember your lines? Fine. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. They were out of pork chops at the butcher shop today. Yeah, so that makes as much sense. A bottle of vodka. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, so my okay, I wasn't getting frustrated with you because I was disagreeing at all with your take. I was, I'm just, I need to, I just need to slow down. These things are so bad. We need to, we need to kind of look at them in slow motion just a little bit, like the hair on the back of the hands. Okay. Because it implies something. And I'm serious about this. I think that the movie was shot entirely by everyone involved in a state of blackout drunkenness. 
I think we should, rev- you know what? We, we, sh- that's how we should have been reviewing this movie. We Who said I'm not. <laughs> You're both crazy. <laughs> You think I'm drunk, you should see Adam. This gives me an idea for a special episode of the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. Which would be, aren't they all special though? They're all special, but this would be a very special one. I think we should get really, really drunk. We should pick very carefully a particular movie. Okay. And get really drunk. Big request. Big request though. It shouldn't be a live show. It probably should be like an like one week have the option to edit should things go really option south. To edit should things go uh okay. I don't know. That's a that's a that's a you know that's a tall order being that drunk live in front of people in front of, of all of the people. three or four people that are you know, all right. Involved. We don't have to do, we don't have to do it live. So um, okay, okay. Where do we where do we start? Let's get back to the where show. Where do we begin? Okay, do you are were you aware? before watching this of Joan Crawford's final years of her career? Were you aware of this? Like the, 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 the baby Jane onward, like what happened? No, I knew nothing about it. Did you know that this is her last film? I learned that a few minutes ago. So this is what just told me. (laughs) This This is Joan Crawford's last motion picture. She started making movies in the freaking 20s. Joan Crawford was Fred Astaire's first dance partner in a movie. Wow. Joan Crawford was the f- did the first tap dance in a sound film that you could hear. Okay. Joan Crawford changed m- makeup design and you know how women applied makeup she changed the silhouette of dresses and i mean she was incredibly influential for a really really long time and this is the last movie she this is where it ended up wow that's um it's all your fault i heard mr murdoch at the public inquiry he was right he wanted to do away with your monster then but you wouldn't let him Oh, that's really special. You know, she's in a similar... Okay, so let's take a similar star, like Cary Grant, who was a giant, giant, giant star, made movies forever, for decades, phased out at a similar time, but before Joan Crawford, because what happened was he started seeing some movies and he was like, you know, I'm in business. I make money doing other things. I don't need to make money in movies anymore and i don't want people to leave i don't want to leave here thinking i've overstayed my welcome i want to stop before it gets really like nobody really wants to see me anymore and he did and he stopped and i don't think joan crawford had a choice i think she had to keep working uh but it is a shame in a way because it's like to stop with baby jane or hush hush sweet charlotte would have been just such a much more interesting (laughs) conclusion to that career than trog which is considered by a lot of people to be one of the worst movies ever ever made and i don't know that they'd be wrong because it it is notably greatly funny hysterically bad yeah no it's up there with the room it's up there with the room yeah yeah 
Um, she uh, made a slew of movies similar to this, like that you just kind of your jaw drops to the floor. Yeah, there. So so, the, yeah. There there are things in this movie that are uh, sequences. Okay, well, let's talk about the elephant in the room, or should I say the dinosaur on the television? Um, there is a uh, a bad uh, Harryhausen dinosaur sequence. Hey, slow the- your roll with the bad Harryhausen. There is no such thing as bad Harryhausen. No, no, I mean Harry Harryhausen. Harry Harryhausen. What was he? <laughs> yes. Right? He was phenomenal, but they took that sort of style of thing and like bad version of it, right? It this was is, that was actual Harry. That was early Harry House and that stuff. That was early Harry House. That was like from a probably a yeah. cheap movie he did, but that was actually Harry Housen. Uh, it, it's and a lot of it. <laughs> apparently, they're from his 1955 film called The Animal World. Was that Harryhausen producers? The, his was. I or, think it was actually Harryhausen animation. Yeah. Um, but they just the the okay. Well, here we go. Um, it's the greatest thing ever ever shot. So they decide to Trog operate, has a trip. They decide to operate on Trog to implant something in his brain that will allow him to speak give him the power of speech right and after they do it he wakes up and we have the little spinning we're going inside his brain graphic and then we go inside his brain and for some reason he has a vision of dinosaurs fighting and a long sequence of dinosaurs fighting Yes. Animated dinosaurs in his brain or stop. The, yeah. Dinosaurs this is, this is really the best thing about the whole movie. Really. I think you've hit upon that. This, this is great. Yeah. Dinosaurs fighting dinosaurs hatching from eggs, dinosaurs falling off a cliff. Um, then the, the sort of them, uh, a uh, volcano exploding and the dinosaurs being covered with, with lava and falling into sort of what is going to be, oh, this is how the La Brea tar pits were formed. And then he is able to speak. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know if there's science, well, simi- back, is there science to back this up. Similarly, I was rendered speechless. So <laughs> it's possible scientifically to do the opposite. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I, look, I, I, okay. This, Are they implying that he was alive at the time of the dinosaurs, and this is him remembering the dinosaurs, and so he's going to talk about it? What's what is what are they trying to tell us? Why why, why are you trying to apply logic to to this <laughs> moment of this movie? Suddenly, that's this moment should be logical. Okay, it's a long fight, is what I'm trying to suggest. If you're going down that road, I think that you've hit upon the the one sequence in the movie that potentially. I could start going down the road of arguing for its greatness here. Yeah, and that's what would happen if you did that. No, because you're going to have to hear me out in a conversation. 
because oh. we do that now in 2023 we're going to have polite conversations and let people talk and listen to each other and hear them out that's what we're gonna do okay quietly very I'll gently All quietly right. you can trust trust the mic <laughs> okay trust the mic all right i'm okay i i would if in I, that case i'd advise you to cooperate if i wanted to i could make a case for that sequence uh representing like something that made the movie great that actually because it's if you just think about it conceptually for a minute what you're watching is a paleontologist you know taking a neanderthal man and dosing them and putting them through the ludovico treatment this is a year before clockwork orange and they clockwork orange this caveman to have hallucinogenic drug trips this is 70 so they're talking about this this is lsd time they dose him in a chair in like a MK Ultra experiment. <clears throat> and then 15 minutes of the movie are from another movie. Uh, I know you're bored with the whole analysis. Conce uh -huh. Conceptually, that is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And it's so funny when it happens. And the fact that Kubrick stole it. Come on. It's crazy. Wait a minute. For those of you listening to the podcast, that was the best stunt in the movie. That was uh, the cameraman getting hit with a boulder. So when you say Kubrick stole this, you mean stole it for Clockwork Orange? Yeah, well, Clockwork Orange came out after this movie. So what I'm saying is, they, you know, it's very reminiscent of the Ludovico treatment. That's all I'm saying. You're both right. crazy. Yeah, there we go. Um, you're completely disinterested in, in my, uh, in when I decided to get critically anal analytical about it, you just thought you would go to sleep, which I understand. <laughs> I'm just saying you happen to talk about the one sequence that made this movie conceptually kind of genius. touchy territory here i <laughs> maybe each of you take a deep breath think about the good times <clears throat> you know uh, i just encourage you not to go further along this line because it could get i mean it could be very funny for a lot of the viewers but to me it, it 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 is funny but it troubles me but we're all you know we're in show oh, this is a family of showbiz people we you know the show really should take uh i think front seat consideration all right no i have to i have to admit it i have to speak my my feelings i have to speak you do no it's good uh i just see a little danger on the forefront here um i i okay i appreciate it thanks mom all okay. right mom anytime all right all right the gorilla the ape and the baboon were beginning to leave the forest and the jungle so, you need your mom to protect you from. <laughs> no. 
I think you misread what happened there. Oh, like that <laughs> I was scolded that you uh, clearly she came in to say like, I think you typed in like help me. Uh, you know, no, no, I aggressive. didn't. No, I I think I was. I think she was saying I was needed to be more respectful of of your your. No, I think I felt analysis. exactly the opposite. I felt and she's gonna have to come in and break this up now because <laughs> I thought the same thing. I thought that she was talking to me saying I should cool it and not get upset about this stupid no, movie no she was clearly saying that i need to have more oh, there she is she's settling <laughs> it she's here again okay. settling it mom <laughs> oh, yeah, I, was you're on. Uh, I think you should both what i was thinking was that you should both watch out Whoa. <laughs> oh oh <laughs> Oh, that was all. Okay. Show fear. Okay. Both of us are responsible. The over, yeah, you know, no, it was an evenly based comment, and I just got nervous that you know it could get a little tough, but it it, gets very funny too. So in in homage to uh, show business, I think you know you go on with it. The whole abomination is hurting business. No, okay. Can we talk about Michael Gouge? No, Michael Guff for a little while, please. I'd love to. Let's talk about everything: the wardrobe, the hair. He's like Michael... the James Woods of England. Yeah, but he went on. He was an acclaimed actor. Tony, Tony nominations. Everybody in England is an acclaimed actor, Matthew. <laughs> Every all of them. But it, it's as if. I think his perform because I've seen him in other things in which he's wonderful. He played Alfred in four Batman movies and was wonderful, understated, elegant. And it's, it's as if he got up and said this, and I've done this. I, I have done this on low budget movies. I have said, I mean, unfortunately I haven't had the opportunity to then show the other side, you know, in, in, in high budget movies, let me show you my good work. But I I have been in movies where I said, nobody's going to see this. I'm getting paid $17. It's a piece of crap. I'm going to do the most outlandish crap you could possibly imagine. That wasn't me, but it might as well have been me and some of the performances I've given in low-budget movies. Um, I mean, IDAO uh, comes to mind. That that moment, it does, right? Just IDAO, which yeah. I think is great that it came out of you just not knowing what the line meant, and you said it. Yeah, anyway. just yeah. So so I've, I I understand when I see an, an actor in a piece of crap just saying I am going to go balls to the wall three hundred percent and see what happens. Um, of yours. Yeah, and it, it's it's really his performance is really kind of wonderful, um, in its its sort of unadulterated, pure, uh, sneering sneeringness. If yeah, I mean, he 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 goes full like Charles Dickens with it. You know, yeah. he just decides to to go a hundred percent into into the ridiculous melodrama of that character. Yeah. Which which makes zero sense. I mean it does none of it makes any sense at all. I mean it doesn't this movie doesn't make sense at a really intense level. 
well, his it, entire it, motivation, his entire motivation. It doesn't, it is, makes, it's, ruining, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ruining my plans for a housing project. Nobody wants to buy land with an ugly demon running loose. That's our interest. Well, yeah, it, it's the thinnest of possible structural screenwriting devices. Why he would care that there's a specimen at an institute. What? Why there'd be an institute of paleontology there. Why she's publishing hit books about Darwinism in 1970. Like, none of it makes any sense. Um most interestingly, why he thinks the taxpayer money is going to fund this monster. I don't understand that part. It yeah. was it was nonsense. And Michael Gouge seemed to understand that. Or Michael Guff, Michael, sorry, Michael Guff seemed to understand that. Um, as did, you know, our great friend Thorley Walters as the magistrate. There's oh. another actor that we saw from Frankenstein must be destroyed who played the inspector in that movie. And he, he, it was great about Thorley Walters is that he didn't, he played it as big as uh gal, but had less ideas. He just went big and stayed big, <laughs> but didn't fill it with anything. Uh, he's hysterical. He really does remind me of uh toast a lot. Thorley Walters. Stephen toast, not, not Stephen toast. Not no. And a piece of toast. <laughs> and a piece of toast. Um, um, you know, but it, I, I, you know, you wonder about stuff because, okay, you've got some fine English actors here, some fine British stage actors and film, with film experience. And you've got, you know, Freddie Francis was not obviously a great director, but he did direct, you know, Day of the Triffids, which is a much, much better movie than this, and Tales from the Crypt, which is... What? And he also is better known as a director of photography, but like an excellent director of photography. Did you know that? Yes. Like, he, he shot movies like The Elephant Man and David Lynch's Dune. He worked a lot with David Lynch, and he shot Glory and Cape Fear for Scorsese. Like a great, great DP. Uh, and the DP of this movie was De Desmond Dickinson, who, you know, started mo shooting movies in 1927 and shot Olivier's Hamlet, among other movies. So there's a lot of talent in at the head of these departments here. Joan Crawford was obviously scrambling to, you know, make a buck, I guess, but she was Joan Crawford. I'm going to lay the blame on uh, other than alcohol, which I think really did have a big effect on the making of this movie, um, was the writer Aben Candle, whose other biggest uh, claim to fame was writing the movie I Was a Teenage Werewolf, Michael Landon. Ah. I think some of the issues came out of this because <clears throat> you don't the director and DP did things that were really good, like at least workable. So, so you feel like the script was for this was weak. I think that it had some problems. <laughs> um, did you like this sequence where there was dramatic footage of them watching dramatic footage? <laughs> yes. There's a, there's a whole long sequence where they're where they're watching some movies that they're showing to Trog, and we have long shots of everybody 
watching the footage. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's also okay. Here's where I'm. I'm afraid of treading. I'm afraid to. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to start punching. No, not at any you. of this. Not with you. It's just I don't know that I can. It's. I no. I can't even talk about it. Come the, on. Okay. The the um rogues gallery shall we call it of other scientists that are brought in to consult it's are are from another movie right they're 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 the the cat it was a different casting office that was casting maybe the the uh they had a casting office next door where they were shooting a movie about a um a an 18th uh, a 19th century traveling circus in the in the english countryside with uh with different nationalities as the bearded the bearded lady and the the dr faustus magician guy it's incredible and and and, and suddenly they it's like, like oh, it's like madame blavatsky it's like madame blavatsky's <laughs> troop of occultists show up <laughs> yeah as to study the, this as the visiting scientists in 1970 <laughs> and, and it's like where <clears throat> where did this come from i, yeah, but I see that's astounded. i feel like there's moments of because i i know freddie francis's work and i know he's like a serious person as a as a as a artist as a cinematographer right and and after this movie he made important important art he didn't he didn't make this movie and then and then get smart. He was smart when he made this movie. The DP of this movie was smart when he made it because he had done things before and after that were really quite good. Whereas this movie is a it's a complete fiasco. It's the worst lighting I've ever seen in any movie ever in my life. Well, I would disagree with you though, because the interiors are pretty well sh pretty well lit though. Studio lighting kind of on point, don't you think? I, I don't. Yeah, Maybe. kind of on point for some of it. So, like some of the shot patterns are smart, and it's like the the photography isn't the to me the worst part of this. It's like it actually looks a lot more handsome than than some other like than the worst movie you've ever seen. Because you're thinking like, you know, Boggy Creek or some Bigfoot movie from the 70s, which really looks bad. Like that stuff looks bad. Yeah. All right. Um, That's what I mean. That's where I think this movie does have a lot of interesting things about it to watch, that it's not just a crappy movie, that it's it's got those things that I love about a crappy movie that make it special, which is a which is kind of like a pedigree of people involved that where that it should have been better you know but i will i will say about the caving sequences the lighting in the caving sequences all i could think of was a story that i heard from dad about the shooting the the making of uh back to the future i told him hey somebody having fun i told him that story you told him that story and yeah and then he told me and uh, the question of where where is the light coming from in the cave from the same place that the music is coming from but that cave is lit like they're running around with flashlights in a cave that is as bright as day, like the sun is shining in that cave. 
Yeah, well, yeah. Part of the reason for that is that back then, in 1970, they were using film stock that was not light sensitive at all. And in order to get anything on camera to get an exposure properly at all, you had to blast it with light. You just had to. And and that was, you know, that was a restriction of the time a little bit. I'm not but saying there, that they... But there were ways to shoot something that made it look like it was in the dark. I mean, look at look at uh, Wait Until Dark, which was 1967. There are sequences in that movie where even though we can see what's happening, we are aware that the space that the actors are inhabiting is dark. Whereas yes. this, it looks like the space that the actors are inhabiting is... In oh, I see what you bright, mean. It's no, in bright sunshine. The, the, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Okay, sure. Sure. But I mean, my point being, you, why, why? yes, I agree with that. But yet it was DP'd by the guy who shot Hamlet. Yeah. So what happened is the question. Uh, that's What's what going I'm trying on? to figure out. What is, what is going on? Right. What well, do you that, think is the, going uh, on? What I think is going on is that you're comparing what wait until dark which was more of a part of like almost like you know um newer technology than the, you're going back to guys that were shooting movies in the 20s the, there's a real stodginess and a real like british studio system that you see at work in the way the movies made right but that system worked when they had the money behind it to make that system work right you know it was the same system that hitchcock worked under when he was doing his british movies nothing much had changed almost by 1970 they were still figuring stuff out some of those guys were still making movies like they were in the hammer days you know which were still going on you know like as we a, forget like those, this which were the hammered days the hammered these days. guys were probably all hammered while they were making this movie well it does feel like it was all made during a blackout that's what I, I'm like. I'm, I'm really not kidding. Like, I really feel like there would be days of work where everybody just blacked out and don't <laughs> didn't know what had happened during that course of the day of filming. It has that vibe about it. We're getting Wait, along. Warner, here I am. What did we do this time? What? <laughs> we were getting along. You were getting along. I just commented about that. I commented about that to uh, Alexis. So what was it I said? I, I um, They're working it out. They always have. Uh, well, yeah, we were working it out. Yeah. yeah. So I'm pleased with that. Very okay. pleased. And... Um, I'm questioning your background, Matthew. Where are you? It's a cave. It's real. Uh -huh. It's Ooh. it's a it's a cave like where Trog was discovered. I get you. Okay. Well, he often does the background that support that's oh, I know connected that. to the movie. I've yeah, seen that many but times. This one doesn't doesn't it's speak to you. No, <laughs> it tells me to leave, but I'm not. <laughs> no, don't leave, Mom. There's what? <laughs> so um now uh can you hear me can everybody hear me because it, it seems like you, we're not it. we're oh, not on the show just anymore. look at they got rid of uh, they fired El a matthew and me <laughs> and is putting uh, all the focus on mom because well, 
He likes um, you. He likes you more than us. <laughs> so well, amazing. I admire him so much. I just told him that in the chat section. Oh, ah, man. No, I do. I yeah. Do. Yeah. It's an essential ingredient. Yes. Does... Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> he, so, he's a master of the clip. Have you? Have we inspired you to want to see Trog? No. <laughs> See, this, we failed we failed matthew because we really i i think we this movie we we can't talk about it in such a way so that people aren't inspired to see it because it i think it should be seen yeah but okay so how should it be seen how what is the way that somebody should watch this movie i think the best way to have watched trog would have been with betty davis <laughs> sitting next to her you mean? yeah so to see it with her watch the movie with her well, that would have improved it, probably. I want to try and come up with a, a drinking game for Trog. Like, you know, those drinking games where every time something happens, this particular ah! thing, you, you you take a drink. Well, so what's the drink? Well, Did you make a drink? The Trog? Well, Weren't you going to do one? Uh, well, I tried. I really tried to come up with a drink for this movie, which would have to be called something like Trog Grog. Or trognog. Trognog. Insane Trog. nonsense. <laughs> would be made with batch 22 and uh, algae foam or something. I don't know what you would make it with. Um, I'm going to come out swinging for why people should see Trog. Okay. okay. I'm going to give you a long list of things that I love about it and that are just great. Okay. Uh, and it started with the hair on the top of the hands, but I we've already discussed that. that. Elliot, could you see that? I don't know. <sighs> Really the see hair the hair on the, the hands. The hair. Oh, they didn't even put it on in that shot. That's, oh, it's boy. missing in some of the shots. That's the yeah. other thing. Yeah. Sometimes um, it's just dirt. The shotgun sound effects for the dart gun, yeah. I think, are almost worth the price of admission and anytime that you see uh uh her shooting off firing a shotgun or holding a gun it's the funniest it just becomes the funniest movie that's ever been made okay Convinced what about her her outfit for k for, for, for her spelunking outfit and the flashlight that she carries for spelunking. well that flashlight is not person. doesn't doesn't seem to be uh like cave registered i don't think no that's a... it's a little flashlight that you carry in your purse yeah. in case you drop your keys as yeah. you're approaching the house yeah the yeah. the outfits are all amazing from her um i don't know if you know this this was her wardrobe this was her personal wardrobe um they didn't have enough money to get her a costume so she contributed her own personal clothes to the film well apparently um, everybody did yeah, but I mean, she's in all these scenes. It's a lot of clothes. Michael Gouge just had to wear one suit, one crappy black suit. <laughs> Everybody else got off easy. She had to supply all of them. And it was a different safari outfit or scientist outfit or thing like every scene. That's a lot of work for her. None better than the little kangaroo pocket pouch that's right under her stomach that she puts her hands in very awkwardly, that yellow dress. Yeah. I wish there was a shot of that. Um <laughs> I'm just going to keep going on the things I love. Okay. Uh, the design of the movie is extraordinary because I don't know a scientist who has a sideboard in their in their laboratory that has skulls on it. It's like it looks like a dish sideboard where like the you'd put the serving utensils, and it's got like an array of of monkey skulls. 
feeding trog the rubber from the bucket of rub rubber lizards <laughs> rubber lizard diet it was great yeah i mean i there's, want to see it now you need to see it yeah um the the sequence uh the the montage of of trog playing with the children's toys oh yeah that's spectacular now argument for the movie being actually well constructed that that little doll, of course, is just like the little blonde girl that he kidnaps. Yes, which is why he kidnaps her. He, he yeah, to, it, he, to call back to that. I also do. <laughs> There's a little social commentary in the sequence where they are uh, teaching him about the modern day, and they they play some classical music and Trog yes. all ah, rock and roll is not good. And then they play some rock and roll, and he freaks out well he's either that or he's having a great time and they misinterpreted <laughs> yeah. it but right yeah yeah so they're come they're very down on pop culture and rock and roll yes yeah. in this movie in this universe yeah um toys for trog obviously fantastic uh the, the trog you know the sequence where trog wreaks havoc in town is also along with the you know the brainwashing sequence which i do really love is kind of the best of its type where he he just goes into town and town is just like a one block long and he beats up he beats up the the produce salesman and he kills the butcher and then he tosses a car over and it's right. the best exploding car i've ever seen in a in a in a movie well, cars too they instantly explode when you british cars did british don't cars buy did. british engineering and the other thing is our <laughs> Our producer Alexis points out that if you pick somebody up and drop them on the ground, they die. Yeah, that's how it works. That's that's yeah. how the physics of this movie. There's some. Do you have a favorite line? Um, my favorite line is. So the uh, monster speaks. It's a big step, but if the operation is successful, Trog will be able to talk. And then we go into the dinosaur sequence. Ah! <laughs> um, but I also, I told you my favorite line before is the, it's ruining my plans for a housing project. Nobody wants to buy land with an ugly demon running loose. That's a great line. That's a great line. Uh, I, you know, um, none better than, I implore you to let me go back with my hypo gun. <laughs> or... Um, or the line that I believe should have been the byline on the poster. He's had enough brutal suspicion. This, is, this is a troglodyte that's murdered two people already, right? Mm -hmm. And and who is being kept on taxpayers' money for these ridiculous experiments. And uh, But yet she sides with him, saying he's had enough of this brutal suspicion. That's about Trog himself. There's also, I consider Dr. Selborne's conduct treachery. <laughs> not treasonous but treachery uh how can you go wrong with her pronunciation of after a few more eons is that eons did you mean eons yeah after a few more eons she's he's dangerous um and our producer is pointing out this when she says treachery there's a shot of everybody in the courtroom shifting in their seat because treachery is, you know, that's bad. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to do anything like yeah treacherous. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I think it really all boils down to the fact that at the end of the day, the best thing in the movie is that little, the Pepsi stand by the attack that's they set up for the news crew and everybody to go see the, the monster troglodyte. Yes. We do know that, uh, that Pepsi Cola, Coca-Cola was in every movie that John Crawford did, uh, like from whatever happened to baby Jane onward. Yeah. It's important stuff. You know why, right? She was a, she had a contract with them, didn't she? Her husband was the president. And when he died, mm. she maintained like a huge percentage of the company as a board of, like head of the board of directors. So she was like one of the big players in that company. Then why did she have to do all this stuff for money if she had? Well, I don't know because, well, maybe because it was, she was a woman and didn't get a good contract. And was uh, getting screwed even though she, that's probably why <laughs> that, that that could happen <laughs> you know i i'm not saying i'm not saying anything about the patriarchy i'm just saying that maybe it was hard for her to make the money but yeah she was responsible for putting the product placement of her stuff in every movie she did so do you have a a, a double feature for this movie yeah i do what's that it's a movie called wicked stepmother which is Betty Davis's last movie. And it's directed by Larry Cohen and should probably be as good. I've never seen it, but I think a terrible, terrible Betty Davis movie and a terrible, terrible Joan Crawford movie as their final films would be a great double bill. Wow. Should we, should we cover that movie? After our Crawford marathon, maybe so. All right. What's next in our Crawford marathon? We didn't recast it yet. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I. You didn't. You just didn't. I didn't. So you I didn't even bother asking if I was, if I had done it. Did you, you recast it? You just don't <laughs> care, is what it is. You don't care what I. Uh -huh. I did recast it, and I did cast it with Betty Davis as Doctor Brockton, and David Prowse <laughs> as Trog, and Donald Pleasance as Doctor Murdoch. That's now see that movie would really be worth watching. <laughs> I would love to compare and contrast them. I, really I would watch that movie. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Wow. It's a Larry Cohen masterpiece right there. Larry Cohen. Um, so that's Trog, mom. I, I, you know, I, yeah. I do this show every week hoping that no matter how bad the movie it is, unless unless it's We need the public on our side. That's that's all I'm saying. We <laughs> just need the public on our side. Yeah. We try we don't we want people to see these terrible things at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. To experience it for themselves, because there's a lot of fun there. Would you see this movie based on our conversation? Would I? Yeah. Now I would. At first now, okay. not, yeah, after your conversation now I would. Okay. Okay. So uh, what are we doing next week? Straight jacket? Let's do straight jacket, sure. All right. I -A <laughs> oh, I, I was gonna bring up one other piece of genius filmmaking that I could go to bat for here, but I think Wait, just no, I want I wanna hear it. I wanna hear it. I think there's actually like a a a, a genius Hitchcock editing moment okay. in the movie. Just a very brief what do you think you're doing? I'm going to continue to support this show is what I'm going to do. Um, 
when they take when trog is first revealed in the cave uh to the public the photograph that they take of him raising the boulder over yes his head um in a series of quick cuts goes from that to like a newspaper to them looking at it to at the newspaper and it's a fantastic series of cuts and uh worth like studying because ah. it's the image in the poster it's like he holding the boulder over his head when he's gonna when we first see him standing on that rock ledge and right. they do this like time jump <clears throat> from there through the like the development process of the film through the being in the paper it's really cool and i'm gonna have to go back and look at that sequence again just a little flash of genius all right and then it's over that's the last <laughs> genius you'll see the whole thing right there that's it that's all i got i got nothing left on trog okay we have rung trog dry but we'll be back next week with joan crawford in what? straight yes <laughs> what indeed what indeed all right please join us and tell your families tell your friends tell tell your enemies tell your moms tell your mom tell everybody to watch thank you for being film. here mom Thank, Thank you. you for being a guest and Thank for keeping you. us on the straight and narrow here. Okay, I do my best. Yes. See you next week. <laughs> Talking about cocktails that are stylish, movies great or phony, and how Tony should win and Matthew, and Matthew should win and Tony. But in the meantime, talking about film in the You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.